Cinebuds receives support from Associated Bank and Eyes on the Lake, I Care and I Wear. Cinebuds, Cinebuds, two buddies, buddies talking about cinema. Hello, I'm Christopher Pollard from Milwaukee Film. I'm Dory Zori from Radio Milwaukee. And this is Cinebuds. This week on Cinebuds, we're talking about Wham! Wham. Jitterbug. <laughs> yeah. Let's introduce the band. George. I'm Andrew. We had a number one album. We had a string of hit singles. And we were selling out arenas. How can the country be in love with these two idiots? We met when I was 11 and Andrew was 12. And there was only ever one thing that I wanted to do. You get so Be in a band with George. Of course, Wham! is a documentary. No surprises there mm-hmm. about Wham. The band Wham. The duo of Wham. Yes. Andrew Ridgely and George Michael. You know, for all our 80s babies out there, we know you know Wham. But yeah. I consider myself a Wham fan. And Christopher, I found out so much in this documentary that I never knew before. True. And I think it's really special because it really focuses on Andrew Ridgely and George Michael's early days from when they were 12 and 11 and they met in primary school up through their four-year career as a band. Only four years Wham! was a band. I know, that's surprising. And I love that they were childhood best buddies. Yeah. You hear the story of them meeting. It's really cute. But it's also like, oh, I get it now. Like, you immediately kind of get... 50% more about them as a band, just knowing that fact. Knowing the relationship that they had. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But no, I was fascinated. This band hit me right when I was like early middle school, late, late elementary, maybe. So these are ingrained Mm -hmm. in my brain. I know these songs. I don't know that I've ever called myself a Wham fan, though I realized after listening to this, well, yeah, of course I was. Like, I I don't know that I had an album. Right. Of course, I know all these songs. I enjoy all these songs. They have a very heavy nostalgia for me. So I was I was really excited about it. This I'm glad to hear that. And I don't know many people who have seen this movie who aren't bigger fans now and many people that have watched it multiple multiple times. It was oh, directed yeah. by Chris Smith. Yeah. Who is, you know, we can give some Milwaukee love to that guy. He went to yeah. UWM film school. And then created some really uh, significant documentaries we love. Absolutely, including American Movie, which is like the most Milwaukee movie ever. He also did one (laughs) of the Fire Festival documentaries. There's a couple that were uh, hilarious about that trash music festival. And the Tiger King documentary. So some stuff that kept me company during COVID. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, so he is a comfort but yeah, it was great to really dig in on this. I look, I like the way he approached it, which we'll get into in the podcast. But yeah, we'll talk about everything Wham! related. Yeah, if you want to find out how scrapbooking really had a big part in this film, <laughs> oh, yes. listen to the podcast. That's right. So stick around. We'll be right back. April showers bring May flowers, hot holes, and flat tires. If you've been saving up for a rainy day, those days are here. If you're in need of a more reliable ride, donate your old one to Radio Milwaukee. Did you know? A single vehicle donation can be almost three times as valuable as a single cash donation. Think of it as a financial super bloom for this public radio station. Learn more by going to RadioMilwaukee.org slash cars. 
Wham! documentary came out at the perfect time, Christopher. It's yeah. the 40th anniversary of their debut album called Fantastic. Yeah. And uh, directed by Chris Smith, we're talking about who did American Movie. Um, he And he did it from just really looking at the scrapbook. Well, he started putting together the film a while ago, right? And I think the neat thing and notable thing is it's all done. There's really not a narrator so much. Right. There's the actual. And I looked that up because I was like, you know, obviously, sadly, George Michael passed mm-hmm. a while back, but a lot of narration from Andrew and George. But apparently there was a project being worked on before he passed away, obviously, mm-hmm. where they had a ton of incredible narration from him already, which they could use. So they were able to just kind of patch this together. And they had an idea of what they wanted the story to be, but it wasn't until Chris Smith discovered that Andrew Ridgely's mom had started scrapbooking his career <laughs> from the very first moment through now, really. Uh, 50 scrapbooks were kind of helping 50? tell the narrative. Yeah. I didn't even pay attention to that. And they show that kind of in the, yeah, in the movie a little bit, bits of the scrapbook. I love that they, yeah, they're almost like chapter headings. Mm-hmm. Also, I just keep thinking, what an unbelievably justifying moment for all mothers who yes, scrapbook their yes. kids' achievements. <laughs> One of them was literally adapted into a film. She should get some sort of executive producer credits. That is the writing that is the credits. absolute dream of any mother. Oh Someone, gosh. oh no, yeah, what you're doing right now, not only will they cherish it, it will be turned into a feature film. Well, now that we're talking about this, I did have a question I wanted to give for our Instagram <laughs> listeners or even you, Christopher. Yeah. If your mom scrapbooked your life, oh, what bit of that would, like, what kind of film would that turn into? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it would be like a shoegazing, kind of like a a real, uh, what do they call it? A real dreamer? Yeah, just a re- <laughs> real emo as a kid. Mm. Like, I, why all kids are like sad about everything that's really not that important. Yeah. And then, uh, but then outwardly silly. Nice. It'd be a broad comedy, I would hope. <laughs> a broad comedy. That most people would call, oh, that was very stupid. <laughs> <laughs> a farce? Yeah. Hmm. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. Mine would probably be some kind of music documentary. Yeah, obviously. I was gonna That's say. an easy one, but. You'd um, be like uh, like that one about. Oh, this is what happens to your brain <laughs> post 45. I was going to say. Uh oh. All right. Describe it to me, and I'll, I'll guess it. I know, there, I know it. It's about the music, young music journalist who follows the band. Oh, yeah. Well, almost not, famous. Almost famous. I always want to say American something because of the A. Well, wasn't that Cameron Crowe? Cameron Crowe, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. That's what you're Cameron Crowe was the young music journalist that wrote for Rolling Stone that went on tour with, uh, a, I forgot which real life band it was oh, yeah, at I the time from the 70s um, and talked his way onto the bus and, or really they wanted him around. and Yeah, that's what I imagine your biopic would be be like not so salacious but I like it but that's why it would need to definitely be more dramatic because yeah. I have not had a dramatic okay back to this okay yeah so I really as far as documentaries go I think it was put together really well and like you said Andrew Ridgely had a few bits that he'd recorded for this narrative now yeah. but it was mostly put together from old footage I've got to think the Ridgely's family was well off because there's so much video footage from when they were kids. Like, yeah. who could afford a video camera in True. the... True. And Andrew Ridgely has the vibe of a rich kid who's... At, but very pleasant. Yeah. Like, a rich kid who acts... He seems very confident confident and comfortable. Mm-hmm. But he was... 
the what I learned about him in this, at least according to the film, what a just a good natured, go with the flow, yeah. supportive guy. Because you don't know a lot of obviously George Michael is the breakout star. Mm-hmm. And Andrew, and there's a lot of criticism of like, but what, what does Andrew Ridgely do? Even do, right? Even do. Well, one thing he did, and this is what George Michael said, is that he wouldn't have done it without Andrew. Andrew he, led the way. He was encouraging. He George gave, Michael was terrified. Yeah, he was terrified. And he was the Andrew was the confident one. He kind of opened the door for him and then supported him the whole way. He was just like such a backbone for that that duo. This really, this documentary became a really beautiful story of friendship for me at yeah. the end, right? Yeah. Like I think you hit the nail on the head why maybe it resonates with so many people. And whether you were loving Wham at the time or you're just discovering them now, like everyone had an opinion about where Andrew fit into the band and to know what kind of support he was giving George at the time, who just wanted a number one hit all the time, right? He was very (laughs) driven. He was very driven in a very self-critical way. Mm -hmm. It seemed like he's like, I have to make this goal happen. Andrew was like, you're doing great. Let's have fun. And we're we're doing we're doing really well. That's what you need in your life. I love that. I also love that Andrew referred to George pretty much the whole time yeah. as Yog, which is short for his very Greek first name, which I can't pronounce. Yeah. Because George Michael is not his real True. given name. So that was really sweet and endearing. Yeah, yeah. I uh, think my wife called me Yog a few times after the film. She just enjoyed saying it. Oh, yeah. like, Everybody, let's say it together. One, two, three. Yog. Yog. <laughs> I loved the fact that this is just about Wham. Mm-hmm. Like they you would you would expect them to move on like when Wham ended, then here's what George Michael did. No. That's that's, that's, a, not, different that's a different documentary. I mean, they have like one of the one of the title cards that tells you, you know, George Michael went on to do X Y and Z. But one, sad you don't have to deal with the sad part of, mm-hmm. of George Michael's right. career. Not in this where, doc. Yeah, where he passes. But um it's just about them and their success and their band and their friendship, which I thought was a really smart choice. It was mm-hmm. tidy. And it was like you said, it was mostly positive. Like this, there's not a lot of they had struggles, but it was a lot of just like love, support, success, trying hard, overcoming this now happy again (laughs) it's really nice to know that they had such a nice time i don't think we should ever underestimate the power that a positive film or documentary (laughs) have and how many times people are looking for something like that and just don't know where to find one so i would definitely put this on the list yeah it's a balm for all the here's a five-part series about a murder that was weird there's a time and a place for that (laughs) less and less in my life so i feel like super fans will really love the stories of of them meeting at Bushy Mead's school. There's yeah. a ton of photos, like we said, some video um, when they were 11 and 12 years old. They also have, they highlight that moment for them that kind of changed everything when I forgot which band couldn't play their time slot on oh, that very yeah. popular British uh TV show Top of the Pops, Top of the Pops and yeah. they got to slide in there yeah. and do Young Guns. So not only did that expose them to like millions of people in the UK, People got to see what they look like, which yeah. also didn't hurt their careers <laughs> at all. Speaking Those of which, cuties. speaking of which, I realize, especially since, like, like, like we said, there's so much footage and photos. I, you never, in his, in George Michael's like later career, you really never got a good look at his face because mm-hmm. he always had the five o'clock shadow that was his signature glasses. But we kind of know why glasses. now, right? Don't yeah. you think? 
Yeah, probably. Yeah, because he so, was. Yeah. He was anxious and nervous. Yeah, and... that makes sense. But you, th- I would have thought like you, you were more exposed when you were younger. Maybe you, and that's when you got the confidence because you were doing so well. Yeah. But then later on, he covered it up a little bit. But I was like, oh yeah, look, there's his face. Mm-hmm. Now I can see. <laughs> now my, that's another like thing a mother would always <laughs> say. Why let the people see your beautiful face? We should get a bell in here, and every time we say something that our parents or grandparents <laughs> yeah. would have said, we should yeah. acknowledge it with the ding of a bell. Exactly. The other cool thing I think for super fans um, to not only know that Careless Whisper was one of the first songs that George Michael had written before the band even started Young Guns or Wham Rap. Um, But we got an early we got to hear a tape early recording of it before it became his signature song when he left Wham, which I thought was really special, too, for being a fan and knowing how Careless Whisper ended up. But it was one of those songs that George brought to Andrew early on. And he's like, this is a hit. And they brought it in their demo form to a lot of different labels. And they were like, nope. (laughs) Which is crazy. It's I mean, 2020 (laughs) hindsight, I guess. But I suppose. Yeah. I loved that. I loved seeing their early songs, mm-hmm. which I never heard before. Oh. I only heard the Wake Me Up Before You Go Go first thing I oh, heard. Oh, yeah, you missed the whole first album, bud. Boy, is that different than <laughs> what you would expect. Yeah. It, they were rap. They were rap songs. Yeah. In, the, in that era where, like, Blondie mm-hmm. was doing it, where it was, like, semi-transitioning to pop. There was also a new wave of ska floating over okay, the UK yeah. at the time, so... There's a little islandy kind of sound. So to look at it now feels embarrassing. Like you got that embarrassed. <laughs> you for were someone. embarrassed. Yeah, you were. You feel embarrassed mm-hmm. for somebody. But at the time, that was like a hot thing that was mm-hmm. happening. But <laughs> look at it now, especially not being like having the history of it in my head because I didn't hear it ever. I was like, oh boy, how did that ever start a career? So Wham Rap, <laughs> yeah, Wham Rap was new to you when you watched this, and uh, yeah, the follow up after that was also a rap. Mm-hmm. But you think of George Michael, you think, oh, he's got a beautiful voice. Yeah, nope, he was he rapped mostly. <laughs> it's wild. I mean, the it was around the time that hip hop was really starting, so yeah, why not? I do want to say too before I forget that. Listen Without Prejudice, which is not, mm. which is not Wham, that's George Michael, is still, I think, maybe one of my favorite albums of all time. Ooh, noted. I love that album. And I was like, there's a time where I was kind of embarrassed to realize that I liked it so much because I'm like, that's oh, George Michael. I'm cooler than that. No, it was really good. It had some interesting songs and beautiful. His voice is astounding on that album. I think love it. you've just inspired me. I have not listened to that album in its entirety whether I have it on vinyl or that I can use one of my streaming platforms, yeah. but I'm going to check that out yeah, now. It's real good. I also love, it's always nice to know when there's cameos of people talking about oh, you. Oh, yeah, there's some good people in here. There's a lot of people with one word names. Sting, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bono, there was cool footage of Bowie talking about Wham. Oh, yeah. Aretha, Elton. But then also like contemporaries like Boy George. But when you have one of the Beatles... Talking yeah. about your band in your documentary, that's pretty awesome. I know, that's not bad. Mick and one of the Stones. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're yeah. People had more, opi- bigger people had opinions about Wham than I would ever have imagined. <laughs> but I do, this, the doc really does kind of show you how good George Michael, I mean, they both were great, but his voice was unique. Mm-hmm. And you know, when he stopped rapping, take a second, stop dude, rapping. Dude could sing. Sing a little bit. 
Yeah, he had a really unique and lovely voice. Well, that beautiful footage of him and Elton John singing Won't Let the Sun Go Down on Me was when George sang in front of, I think, the biggest crowd ever. It was during Live Aid or one of those big concerts that raised money in the 80s. Just, yeah, the dude had a great, great voice. And I remember, and that song in particular, that duet with Elton John was a big part of my teenage years. I loved that song. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Well, that must have been fun for you to see it then in this documentary. Yeah, it was really cool. I didn't realize it was originally happened live. It was really cool. Well, 4.4 million people watched this documentary in the first five days it was out. (laughs) I have not, I don't know what it is now, but at least 4.4 and that's two extras. Great. Yeah, that's not bad for a doc about a band from the 80s that only did four years, had yeah. a four-year run. Yeah, I'd highly recommend it. Even, I mean, obviously for people who, like us 80s babies, mm-hmm. but anyone who's just kind of fascinated by music at all or in that time period, it's a really lovely story. So I would, check, I would highly recommend it. It was great. Go watch it. I think you can stream it if you have the Netflix But I have one question for us. What's that? What else have we been watching? What? Do we talk about the new season of Murders in the Building yet? No, we haven't. I'm embarrassingly behind on that show. But I love all the people involved. I won't ruin anything. The last season was okay. Yeah, okay. I love the first season. The second season was okay. But so far, third season, loving it. Oh, that's great. So they're back to whatever kind of magic. I don't know what the difference is. I didn't bother looking to see if it's different writers or directors <laughs> yeah. or what. But um, yeah, Murders in the Building. Where are you in that series right now? Do you I, know? I watched the first full season. Should, should I just skip the second and go for the third? There's moments in the second. I don't know. Use your own discretion. Okay. Maybe it could be one of those things where you just have on the in the background if yeah. you find yourself not really into it. Yeah. There's magic moments, but... It didn't, for me, I know a lot of people online were saying they loved the second season better, but so. Okay. Well, I'll give it a try. Yeah, give it a try. try. I'm trying to limit my TV watching to just while eating. Ooh. Oh, that's dangerous. So I Because I would increase my eating. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So I'm mostly eating. (laughs) It wouldn't work for me. We will like, you know, make food and then watch a show, like usually the same show Mm -hmm. while we eat dinner. But since she's been off for the summer, we've been doing it for breakfast as well. (gasps) Fun. Which means we've gotten through a lot of the bear. Yes. Which we talked about. Great show to watch while you're eating. previous episode, but now I am further and would like to speak about it again. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I'm like halfway or more than halfway through the second season of The Bear now. Mm -hmm. I loved the first season. Mm -hmm. And I remember you told me like, well, the second you dig in on those characters more, you were absolutely right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one of the smartest second seasons I've ever seen. Yes. Because the first season you have an arc, Mm -hmm. you have all, you're introducing their characters. There's a lot of chaos. The second season is almost not the opposite, but it's almost each episode not that formulaic, but you dig in on each of those characters a little bit, even while they're trying to put this restaurant together at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then in the middle, they do this brilliant thing where they show some of the history of their family. Uh, where they show the holiday dinner, yes. with the Christmas or Thanksgiving. Yes. Which is, one, some of the best cameos or like guest stars. What a collection of guest stars. John Mulaney. Jamie, Jamie Lee, Lee Curtis. Curtis, who is unbelievable. Bob Odenkirk, mm. you got all these people in there who play the family for this. For Richie. Where you see, and Richie, yeah. And you see the chaos that is like mirrored in mm-hmm. the chaos that you saw in the kitchen. 
Then, and this is where I'm at, the next episode, after this chaotic thing, is the most like satisfying Richie arc. Oh, for, I'm so glad you saw this. If you're not this. familiar Rich, with the show, Richie is a character who has moments where you see the humanity, but mostly I just want him to like, why are any, why does anyone let him be around? Yeah, he's annoying. He's so frustrating and awful. And then you see these moments of humanity, which of course you got to do that. But then you see Richie in this environment where he's actually like figuring stuff out, how to be finding his place. And both me and my wife were like, yes, we we're like, finally, yes. It's like this show had its first season they're like what do people want mm-hmm. to see what mm-hmm. would make people happy as a viewer what do i want to see from these characters and they just give it to you yeah it's so smart i love that you and your wife were cheering because that's exactly what happened the episode started and i had something like radar go off that said oh man there's been so many great stories i don't think richie's is going to end well yeah and millen was like no this is richie's redemption story just watch so we were cheering on the couch as well (laughs) yeah it was really great and just to see this character that was not likable at all and you didn't understand how he was processing his loss and grieving in a way that i could relate to like have this beautiful moment and i don't want to do any spoilers but man how super super great yeah it was that really, you had the same I, reaction i just kept saying this is so smart this is so smart of them to do this but also if you're a fan of food shows mm-hmm. this also is so satisfying because you see all these chefs learning practicing and learning more so you see mm-hmm. all this beautiful food and interesting combinations even though you like like any food show i can't taste it because it's just on tv but it's still very <laughs> satisfying to see them make it and to see how it turns out it makes me like And then Nicole, who is one of those people who like has to Google every actor and everything that she sees while she's watching Mm -hmm. it. She found out what that restaurant is based on, the really nice one in Chicago. And she was like, looked up their tasting menu, looked up how much it costs. You got some reservations. (laughs) I mean, no, it's something we'll save up for. Yeah. But there was also a... I'm in customer service a lot in my job. I'm sorry I'm talking about this a lot. No. I hope we have time. Um, oh, we got plenty of time. I'll talk about the bear all day. Okay, good. There's a, mo- a genuine customer service moment, which, again, reflects in my job a lot, that I was, oh, I never thought I, I would I see a movie mm-hmm. in a movie like, that's amazing customer service. This restaurant goes out of its way to learn about their uh, guests who are coming and this major D, I don't, for lack of a better word, sees on Instagram that these two teachers, school teachers, have always wanted to go to this restaurant, have saved up mm-hmm. to come there. And they said, we're going to go above and beyond for them, even though they have celebrities coming too. We're going to go above, we're going to give them a tour of the kitchen, and we're not going to let them pay a cent. And I nearly (laughs) teared up. I'm like, that is not only brilliant, it is so kind. Mm -hmm. And then you see just like almost through like um, smoky glass, you see them telling them that it's on us and you see their reaction. It's very subtle. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this is genius. It is so beautiful. Was that the same (laughs) couple who also like they found out they've never had Chicago deep dish pizza? It was a different couple, couple. which was another wonderful moment. I don't, we don't want to spoil all these oh, things, okay. but that's all I'm going to say. But they they do this stuff that like this mm-hmm. is how you run a business and are a per, a human at yeah. the same time, because you hear a lot of stories about, especially about big 
restaurants where mm-hmm. they're just all, and they show a little bit of that in there and some flashbacks, how they're just so aggressive. There's whole TV shows based around how, oh, it's such an aggressive kitchen and that's reality TV nonsense that drives me crazy. So it's so delightful to highlight Oh, the humanity of how of customer service and how you can make people's day, and that's what drives you. Granted, this is fiction, yeah. <laughs> so, but you would hope that these people in these situations are like, I like my job because I can make people happy doing yeah. this. Christopher, th- I just had an epiphany at the end of what you were saying. You know me; I am a kind person, and I always you try to are. be thoughtful when I'm in restaurants. I'm Great. not like rude or demanding and I try to be respectful of the wait staff and if there's you know weights in the kitchen whatever right but after watching the bear and some other <laughs> things too but mostly the bear I have found myself being extra <laughs> cautious of when I'm standing up away from my table Am I giving the right away to the wait staff that's walking out of the kitchen and not feeling entitled like I need to get to the bathroom or whatever? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so I've been trying like the whole humanity and beauty of this getting to know these characters in the restaurant scene like has made me an even better customer in restaurants, yeah, I think. I think that is what that another thing, man, I am so fired up right now i gotta calm down <laughs> i gotta take a breath but yeah that's the wonderful thing about shows they have the this is <sighs> let's talk about this because okay. it's beautiful and i might cry this is <laughs> no this is why i have the least sexy opinion about reality tv because mm-hmm. i and i won't like we don't have to no one has to argue this with me because it's fine if you i'm not judging you but reality tv does the opposite of this it teaches us to get excited to watch either idiots or awful people. Right, right. To celebrate them. We're literally paying them to act terrible. And then kids, teenagers watch this and they the, they strive, oh, I'm going to be reality reality star. Mm-hmm. All I have to do is be an awful moron. So, And then you have shows like this that is literally teaching you from both ends how to be a good customer, how to be good customer service Mm -hmm. and how all that will do is make you very happy and make other people very happy. And now more than ever is a phrase that we all use now more than (laughs) ever. I need 10 more shows today that highlight how to be good to other people and how to be nice just because it's nice to be nice. Can we make that our Instagram question? Because this is a perfect way I'd love to end this podcast. If you guys know what we're talking about, and we've talked about this with Ted Lasso, and of course you can say Ted Lasso, but you know, beyond the bear and Ted Lasso, what are those shows or series that you've been watching that gives you this feeling that you could share with us. Go to uh, Cinebud's Instagram page. That'll be our question for the day. Absolutely. At Cinebud's Podcast, follow us on Instagram, and I will put that up as soon as this episode goes out. I'm so pleased that this conversation went there. Me too. And thanks to everybody who stuck around for it. I hope you guys are feeling (laughs) some warm fuzzies right now. I hope my audio levels weren't too high. I got very loud. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even adjust you, so uh, you're in people's ears with your excitement. Oh, well, thanks, everyone, for listening. And there's a few other people we'd like to thank. Thanks to Kim Shine, our producer, for making us sound like professionals. Yes, I hope you don't have to adjust my volume too much, Kim. (laughs) I also want to thank Newski for providing our wonderful theme song. 
we have a couple super dope community partners that yeah. pay to sponsor and support the work we do on Cinebud. Shout out to Associated Bank. Yeah, thank you so much. And Christopher, you're looking quite dope in your new oh, Eyes yeah. on the Lake Eye Care and I Eyewear glasses. I am currently glasses. wearing my new glasses. But most importantly, yeah. really, I mean, we both work for nonprofits yeah. that wouldn't run without our members. Mm. We love you very much from Radio Milwaukee and from Milwaukee Film. You guys are all wonderful. Well, we'll see you next time. <laughs> yeah, next time. We'll in, see you. In between, there's some hot days coming up. So why don't you take the opportunity to go see a movie? Yeah, good idea. Bye.